RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Lloyd, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson. We've got Greg Hopkins sitting in with us tonight. Uh, and we are coming off of Valor 74, which went down this past Saturday from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe Roots recap and reaction night. So we're going to go over the whole card. Uh, we'll be joined by Jeff Hobbs shortly. But before that, gentlemen, we've got some UFC business to attend to quickly. Uh, we are coming off of the UFC. The uh, return to Fight Island. Uh, it was uh, the Holly Holm and uh, Irini Aldana card. I uh, I will keep this brief because we didn't really get um, a whole lot in depth into this one with the Valor Show going on the same night. But we'll we'll get into it a little bit, guys. Um, we'll start off, of course, with the main event. Holly Holm knocks off uh, Irini Aldana with a very dominant unanimous decision uh, in a women's bantamweight main event. Uh, very good looking uh, win for home. This is uh, about as good as she's looked since uh, the, the Ronda Rousey performance of years back used her distance very well. Every time uh, Aldana tried to, you know, get in close, she'd really sit down on those punches and make her pay uh, takes all the rounds. It looks like she got a, uh, a 10-8 on one of the rounds, and uh, Aldana just didn't look like she was ready for this step up. Who knows if maybe her COVID situation uh, was a little worse than other. I think I, I heard that her COVID uh uh, illness was a little more severe than some of the other athletes that have been getting it. So maybe that contributed, but ultimately Holly Holm with a big win there, Justin, your thoughts on this one and how, uh, you think feel like Holly Holm is, uh, next up in line for that, that trilogy that I don't know if anybody wants to see with Nunez. Yeah, man, I was definitely off on this one. I thought that Aldana was going to be able to, um, do a little bit more with her, uh, on the feet and, and keep it standing. Aldana had a pretty good takedown defense going into this fight, but, um, home landed like five or six out of, I think she tried like 14 or 15 takedowns. Um, I think she had double the strike count of Aldana. She was just circling out. Every time Aldana would get close, she'd just hit her with that side kick. Um, and then, you know, took her down in every round. And like you said, it's the best Holly's looked in a long time. It's crazy to think she's 39. And, you know, there's been a few guys competing, you know, 39 in the early 40s, but Holly really doesn't seem like she's slowing down. I mean, she's coming off of a couple wins, and it's pretty hard to argue that she's not the second best 135 and 145-pound fighter in the UFC. Um, There's just a good gap between one and two. It is, but that's that's what's wild. I mean, there's, there's still a pretty good, decent gap. We keep seeing that there's still a pretty decent gap between number two and everybody else. Um, I think, you know, she who she beat last time, um, uh, Raquel Pennington. Yeah, you know, Raquel Pennington was supposed to give her a hard time, and um, she was able to control Rocky in, in you know, in the clinch. And then in this fight, shows her takedown skills too. She's getting ready to get inducted into some kind of boxing hall of fame, uh, where she's from. And this just shows how, how well rounded she'd become as a martial artist. You know, she's only been doing this for nine or ten years, I think, total, uh, since she left boxing. and um, but she's, I think she's still got, you know, at least three or four years to go. Um, and I think it was a, a big statement for her when people are, are definitely been talking to her about retirement. 
in uh, it wasn't the co-main event. But we're going to talk about it next because it was the really the only other fight on the card of, of any real um, you know importance, I guess you would say. It was uh, Jermaine Duramdemy uh, knocking off Juliana Pena with a guillotine of all things in the third round. Uh, man, uh, she got a performance of the night award for it. Um, man, what a who would have thought that? I, I saw that uh, uh, Jason Floyd tweeted out that the odds for Durandamy by sub were plus twenty three hundred, and I probably still wouldn't have touched it because who's going to think that Durandamy is going to sub anyone? But she sure did. Uh, puts uh, Pena to sleep in the third round. Had it one to one going to the third round. Uh, Pena was able to get that takedown in the second, and uh, had she been able to do it in the third, she may have got the win. But uh, uh, Durandamy was able to uh, out of nowhere just snap up that guillotine, put her to sleep. And now to me, I feel like there's a narrative that maybe Durandamy has worked on her, her weaknesses, her wrestling and her, her submission game to where that to me is a little bit easier sell than home uh, versus uh, versus Nunez at this point, either that or we get Durandamy and home again. And the winner of that gets, uh, gets Nunez after she finishes with Anderson. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on this one. Um, uh, by the time this, this fight had started, I was way too hammered drunk to, uh, even really watch it, but I was playing pool over at the Joe after the Valor show. And uh, I just remember me and Justin was arguing because I'd picked one girl, he had picked the other. And, uh, uh, yeah, well, my, let's just say we walked away for like, I think I walked away in the second round came back in the third and Justin was like, Hey, what's going on? I was like, well, uh, girl just got chunked out. So, um, whatever. And he was super happy, but. With that being said, I do have to say something about uh, Saturday night. Uh, I usually don't um, – I, I mean, I never miss the UFCs. I always see them. I always get to watch them. But, and I don't know if I showed this to Justin either, but uh, I, I won 62 bucks off of a $1 lineup. And wow. DK, and I wanted to tell you my uh, – I had a holy home with my captain. And, yeah, like we were talking about it, she won by the decision in a five-round fight and scored me 229 points at .5, you know. And then Kay Phillips came in at 111. And then, uh, how do you say it, Todorik, Todorik, Todorvik. He scored 135, and then Durandamine got 66, and because uh, she didn't win, but she still gets the third round. I'm sorry, I got, uh, I mean, she won, sorry. And then, uh, and then I had Imavov. And Felipe, and he got 69, and uh, Imavov got 72, and Durandami got 66, man, finish. It's funny how but, the cards yeah, that you really don't give a shit about are the ones that you kill it on. Yeah. I told it was 683.5 points. First place, got $300 at 701. So, I lost by like 18 points. Solid evening, man. So, um, yeah. It looks like uh, it looks like uh, the rest of the main card uh, we had uh, in the co-main event, which was uh, pretty piss poor. Carlos Felipe with a, uh, a nondescript unanimous decision over Jorgen DeCastro, Howard Phillips over Cameron Else in a pretty dominating uh, second round TKO. And as Greg mentioned, Dusko Todorovic with a uh, very dominant second round TKO over Daquan Townsend, which ends up getting Townsend cut. Uh, from the UFC after an 0-4 stint on the undercard. Carlos Condit, uh, a blast from the past, man, uh, with a win over Court McGee by decision. Fight that Condit didn't really fight like the old school uh, Condit. He was much more measured, much more workmanlike, and that may be what he needs to do to be uh, to be successful moving forward. Carlos Jordan uh, with a split draw over Joshua Koulibaly, who was 
maybe the biggest underdog on the whole card. Uh, uh, Nasordin Imavov over Jordan Williams by decision. Luma Lukbuni over Jin Yu Frey by decision. Casey Kenny with a decision over Alating Haley. And then Luigi Vendramini with a first-round TKO over Justin Ayari. Justin, anything of note here before we move on? Uh, Vendramini looked great. Casey Kenny looked great. Tore the rib up, um, you know, just dominated that fight. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me was was Carlos Condit. Uh, you know, it's it's wild for me to even think about that this is Carlos's first win in five years or something. Like he's lost like he's on a five, five or six fight win, losing streak. You know, and like I'm, you know, I don't know. You just think about Carlos as being one of the top dogs. Um, but it was good to see him get back in there and get a, a good win. Court McGee's tough. He shattered his nose after you know at the end of the first round and. Um, I was happy to see Carlos get back in there and get a big win. There's some of the some of the fights that they're talking about for him in the future are pretty interesting. This is, you know, we were talking about Cerrone and and why are you giving him guys like Nico Price? Like Carlos Condo would be a good one for Cerrone. You know, these these older legend type fights. I think that there's intrigue there where it doesn't really matter what happens with the division, and these guys aren't too old to compete. I mean, if anything, they've they've they're maybe at the top of their. Uh, mental game as far you know they've, they've got the experience and stuff but they don't need to be fighting a monster who's just going to come in there throwing bombs right off the bat you know but it would they'd be fun technical um, matchups I think and, and that's one of them uh, and then Kyler Phillips looked phenomenal man I, I, I was uh, very impressed with his fight man that Bantamweight um, contender like, I don't want to say contenders but like that the the young guns and, and the up and coming prospects at Bantamweight it's pretty solid division man there's so many good so many good ones there you know Casey Kenny down there as well with his win of course Kyler Phillips there's just a lot of uh, fun matches I think there uh, let's move on to this week's uh, preview we are going to have a look at the UFC Fight Island number five it goes down this Saturday, October the 10th, this is an ESPN Plus card. Uh, a little bit better card, I think, than last time, guys. We've got a nice main event here. Bantamweights, uh, Marlon Marai taking on Corey Sandhagen. Corey Sandhagen, the favorite, minus 150, Marai plus 120. I make, might take a stab at Marai here, plus 120, although it's, it's a good close fight, I think. You know, obviously, Sandhagen needs to keep the distance, use that range, that quickness. He's got the big octagon to play in, so that helps. Marai wants to close the distance, get takedowns, work in close and try to land one of those power shots or or grind him down. I think the, the cardio of Marais could be in question in a five-round fight. Um, interesting interesting main event, though. Uh, of course, Marais hasn't fought in a minute. Last time out, he got a uh, kind of a, um, I guess, controversial, you would say, decision over Jose Aldo. A lot of people thought he lost. Of course, Sanhagen got submitted in the first round last time out by Aljamain Sterling. Uh, Greg, any thoughts on this main, main event? Uh, I didn't think that Corey's Sanhagen maybe ought to be main event in the UFC card right now after a loss coming from Benjamin Sterling, but nevertheless. Real quick one, too. Yeah. I mean, but with that, if you want me to, like, talk about it, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I'm excited about it. That's probably, you know, one of many that I'm excited about on this card. But, I mean, I'm going to have to go with uh, Marlon here on this spot. I like him at the plus money for sure. Justin, you got to take – yeah, um, I, you know, I think it kind of speaks to to what the company sees in Corey Sanhagen's ability. You know, but coming into that um, Aljo fight, he was it was it was him or Aljo as number one. You know, everybody was very high on Corey, and in this game at that level, 
one little mistake and it can be over super fast. You know, it wasn't like he got dominated the whole time. He got his back taken quick and got choked. And, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a ton different than just getting knocked out real quick. You know, you don't necessarily get to see what, what a guy has, but before that, Sanhagen was running through dudes, you know, and, um, you know, he had a couple close fights going into that Aljo fight, but I think that this will be um, where he kind of gets a fire lit back under him. Um, I think that the distance, the the size of the cage is going to play into his factor and, and be able to, he's going to be able to keep moving enough um, to where he'll tire Marlon down and I look for Cody to get a, a submission late in the fight, actually. I mean, Corey. Co-main event, I think, is kind of interesting here. And a, a bit of a wide line, given the circumstances. Featherweight bout Edson Barboza is minus 280 against uh, Makwan Amerikani, who is plus 210. Aaron Barboza, you know, he's lost three in a row. He's talking about retiring, talking about wanting out of his UFC contract. These are all warning signs and red flags going in against a, a pretty tough guy. And Amerikani, I think if it stays standing, Barboza can win a decision. But if Amerikani can get him down, then he could very well grind out a decision of his own. Uh, Justin. Yeah, I think these odds are wild, man. I have just continued to, to look at them. I, don't, I just don't get uh, how they're so wide. I, I see Edson at minus 150, minus 170, but um, minus 280 is, is nuts. I mean, um, Mark Wan's only – he's only lost a couple fights, and, and they're, you know, to some of the top guys in the division. Um, obviously, Edson's fought a lot better competition over a, a lot longer stretch of time. Um, but Miracle, I think, you know, when he first came in, he was – you know, people were looking at him like he was going to be the next big thing, and I think he may have let the the uh, fame and and the partying get to him a little bit too much. But I think in the last little bit, he's kind of settled down a little into himself, and uh, I think I think this is going to be a hell of a fight. Um, I can definitely see um, Mike Juan, you know, pulling it off, um, but Edson's going to be. I mean, I, I think Edson's a, a problem <laughs> at 45, so we'll see what happens. Well, you're right. Um, the odds have decreased. I've got the opening odds in front of me, but uh, you know your DK pricing and whatnot goes off of your opening odds. So I would think Amerikani would be a real nice value um, yeah. on DraftKings, uh, especially uh, feature bout Ben Rothwell minus two hundred against Marcin Tibura plus one sixty. Not excited for this one. Um, who knows? It could surprise me, but I, I could see this one uh, being a bit boring uh, in the lead up to the two main fights. Uh, Greg, any lean on Rothwell or Tibura? Uh, I'm looking at this from a DraftKings point of view. You got uh, Rothwell, he's 8,500. And then Tibera is, I think, uh, let's see here, what is he going to be? He's 77. <clears throat> and anything can happen here, but, you know, Rothwell being the uh, more experienced guy, um, this is probably like a lackluster in a fight. Both of these guys just probably on the cage the whole time. But, um, do I want to spend 85 on Rothwell? No. So I'm, no. uh, I'm going to take Tiberius on DraftKings for 7,700, and he could possibly get the win there and get his value. So Tiberius Malin. Rounding out the main card, we've got the debut of a pretty pretty uh, hyped prospect. Uh, uh, Drickus uh, Duplesis is a middleweight out of South Africa, 14-2, and two, making his debut against a tough Marcus Perez, also on the main card. Heavyweights on this one could be fun. Tom Aspinall against Alan Baudot, uh, who's French guy, debuting. He's wild, man. He's in there doing all kinds of crazy shit. He's like a heavyweight uh, Michel Pay or something. Uh, but Aspinall, man, he's put together, had a, had a good win in his UFC debut. He's undefeated. He beat a blown-up Jake Matthews, so I don't know how much we can really read into that, but uh, he was certainly violent. I think it's a good way to, to start off the main card uh, for sure. Uh, 
Uh, let's see, uh, Justin, any... Oh, well, we got one more main card fight. Looks like they moved uh, Yusef Zalal to the to the main card, I believe, uh, to fight Ilya Topuria, who I don't know him, but I like Yusef Zalal. He's always fun to watch. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on uh, the rest of this main card? Yeah, I think the um, Driscus guy, I think he's you're going to... Might see somebody get exposed there. He's... You know he's got a big record, but I think he's his the level of competition that he's fought is very subpar. Um, and Marcus Perez is going to be coming to coming to take his head off. So I think that that could be a, a fun fight to watch. Um, and yeah, I like I like uh, Tom Aspinall uh, and I like Yusuf Salal as well. Undercard, it's a lot of prospects. Uh, we've got Tom Breeze taking on KB Bueller, uh, who's supposed to be a pretty solid prospect. I think he's undefeated. Chris Daukas, uh, heavyweight, makes a return um, uh, uh, to take on Rodrigo Nascimento Fajaya. Impecasa Gagne, who we just saw uh, just about a month ago with a win uh, over Coconut Bombs, Maki Patolo. Takes on Joaquin Buckley, who we just saw lose to Kevin Holland. He's a short uh, firecracker of a guy, though, so it's kind of one of those Casagagne by decision or maybe Buckley by KOV lands when he throws hard. Uh, my my sleeper fight for undercard uh, fight of the night is Ali Alcasey versus Tony Kelly. Don't think it's going to be pretty, but I think these guys are going to freaking go for it. Like I think that's going to be a really exciting fight. Uh, Giga Chikadze takes on um, Omar Morales. Tracy Cortez, Stephanie Egger, and then the opener is Bruno Silva taking on Khabib's training partner, Tagir Ulenbekov, who I'm not real familiar with, but he's 12-1. and one. He's um, supposed to be a fairly hyped prospect. Justin, anything stand out on this undercard? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Impa back in there, man. Um, been impressed with him so far. Uh, Joaquin Buckley is, like you said, he's a short, compact, real stocky guy. Um, but I think that the Empa's just kind of been running through people for the most part. Um, from what I've seen, Chris Dawkins is fun at heavyweight. Um, I feel like the last fight he had, I was, I was super impressed with him. Uh, and then I, I think a, a good one will be probably, uh, Chikadze and, and Morales. Greg, anything on this, uh, undercard look good to you in the, uh, DraftKings world? I'm about to, I'm just going to give you my lineup straight up right here. And uh, I know you're going to love it because it's been a while since I've been on there doing this, but you know I'm risking out things like a motherfucker. So, all right, here we go. I got Zalal at 8,600. All right, and this is what we're just talking about, the uh, Habib's uh, training partner, Yulan yeah. Bekov. Yulan uh-huh. at 93. Then I got Nassimito. Is that pronounced right? Nassimito, yeah. Rodrigo at 9,200. And then I got uh, Marlon Morez at 8,000. Then I've got McQuan, Amir Kwani at 74. Come on, Justin. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then I've got all the, uh, the, the, the uh, Al Casey. I got that guy in there because I think he's going to hit value at 75. I kind of like all of it except for uh, the the high dollars on Fahey. I think Dalkus is dangerous, da- dangerous enough to actually maybe play that way for to save the to save the money and go a different way. But uh, you never know. Heavyweights could uh, heavyweights could go either either which way. I just thought Dalkus looked like he showed quite a good quite a good amount of power uh, the first time out. Anyway, uh, let's see. I guess uh, I guess that's it for for this one, man. Uh, it, what, go ahead, Justin. You about to say something? No, I was just laughing at Greg's pronunciation. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but hey, right. it's only seven thousand. So 
Yeah, yeah, and I think for a heavyweight, he's got a he's got a good a good shot just because you know how these fights go, you know. So uh, he's kind of a boomer bust guy. He's probably either going to knock him out and get you big points, or take a shit and get you next to nothing. So gambling, um, though, right? Um, all right, that'll be uh, that's our preview for UFC Fight Island Five. It goes down this weekend on ESPN Plus. We'll recap that next week, and we'll try to get Logan Neal on here uh, next week as well. We've got some news for Logan Neal today. We got. Uh, him uh, a short notice Bellator opportunity at Bellator 249 next uh, next Thursday it is uh, Greg's going to be going up there with him so we'll see if we can't get uh, get him to get Logan on the line with us next uh, next uh, week after his weight cut and we'll uh, check in with him and get the report from uh, the Bellator bubble if you will excited for that uh, with that let's get to the main portion of the show and that is our recap and reaction segment from this past weekend's Valor 74. And with that, let's get Jeff Hobbs on the line. All right, we are now joined by Jeff Hobbs as we get ready to react and recap this past weekend's Valor 74 card from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. It went down this past October the 3rd. And, uh, man, we uh, we had a, a crazy uh, crazy night of fights, a lot of uh a lot of uh, shakeups uh, going into this one, of course. Lost a few fights in the, of course, we lost the main event a couple weeks back when uh, Junie Browning pulled out. And then we also ended up losing, uh, what was it, Cole, Cole Farrell pulled out on Roy Sanders. And then we had um, on Fight Week, we ended up getting. Um, uh, even more bad news as uh, we wake up on uh, the the day of weigh-ins to find out that John Sweeney's 10 pounds over his fight with Dre Miley's off. Uh, the good news there, I suppose, is it, it kind of leads up to our January card where, you know, the winner of that fight was going to be in line to fight Jeremy Mitchell for the title. It's going to be Dre Miley. Now we got a great face-off. I mean, really excited for that fight now. There's some heat there. Those guys don't like each other. And uh, that'll be really good. And then uh, we also lost the Larkin Dash Sarah Hayes fight. Larkin Dash comes in 3.6 over which is beyond the acceptable um gap that the state of tennessee will allow lost that one too but uh, we trudged forward guys and uh, with what we had it was um uh we'll go to justin first to get the uh the standings where we where we were going into this evening before uh before we recap so for our point total going into this hobbs was in the lead with 42 Followed by Greg at 39, Chloe at 38, Chad at 36. And then um, on the week, uh, Greg won this week going 14 and 5. Hobbs went 13 and 6. Chloe went 7 and 12. And Chad went 8 and 11. So our final total is uh, Hobbs is in the lead with 55, Greg with 53, Chloe with 45. Let's see. So Chad with 47, then Chloe with 45. All right, let's get to it. We started things off with a catchweight bout at 165, t- uh, 165 pounds. We had four tie fights, uh, amateur tie fights. This is the first one. Malik Lee gets a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it was Ben Blue that got a decision win, a unanimous decision win, um, to get his first win ever over Malik Lee. And, uh, man, this is a fight that was, uh, it was running our nutshot tally up early. Uh, we had several, uh, I believe, three low blows from Malik Lee and then maybe a knee to the head as well. We ended up getting a couple point deductions from Malik Lee, even though I, I had him winning all the rounds. It was 
he might have lost one round, but uh, but he you know you take away the fouls and he he won the fight. He just wasn't able to control the you know his weapons uh, as he threw them. He really liked coming in with that knee to the body, and that was effective. But it was also his downfall because he ended up hitting way too many low blows. Uh, learning experience for Malik Lee. He's a young young buck and uh, good attitude. He's excited to get back in there. I enjoyed working with him. He's got to get those knees under control in there. Ben Berlu, congratulations, gets the win. Toughs out some uh, some rough moments in there where he was really getting you know uh, need in the nuts and uh, taking some knees to the body along with him. So uh, he guts it out, gets his first win, a nice unanimous decision win. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts. Yeah, it's the most I remember about this fight is just the continuous. I mean, it was the longest two minutes that I've ever lived through uh, when it came to uh, one of these rounds. I I do remember, though, that um, with the open scoring, I do remember feeling like one of the rounds was really wonky on the scoring uh, or one of the judges scorecards because I didn't understand how after losing those points that it worked out the way it did. Uh Um, I I do remember, excuse me. Uh, towards the end, uh, them telling Baloo's corner, or it may have been Malik's corner, uh, whoever was biased, that, you know, they saw a draw. And I really had expected probably a draw. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so, too, honestly. I thought there was a good chance we would see a draw. I would have had a problem with that, honestly. Um, let's see. Wait, I can tell you about that. The reason yeah. that he, he – the round that he got the two points taken away, <clears throat> he also lost that round on the judges' scorecard. So that was a 10-7 round. He won the other two rounds, but that ended up being a 28-27 because that was a 10-7 round. Uh, okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Did he have two points taken in the same round? Yeah. Yeah, yes. that, that's awful fucking hard to come back from yeah. uh, in a three-round fight. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Up next, we had Isaiah Boyd, the first of the four Boyd brothers uh, and the first of five Boyd brothers representatives uh, coming out and making his debut against the fellow debut Donnie Tillman at a catchweight of 165 pounds. This was MMA. Uh, Tillman giving up a lot of height and reach here, uh, was able to get in early and got a pretty nice uh, double leg takedown. And he got a few takedowns. Every time he'd get in on the hips, he was getting the takedown. But Boyd just too long and lanky for him to control on the ground. He he would get up uh, repeatedly, and uh, and then at that point Tillman began to gas, and uh, then things were uh, were downhill from there. I guess you would say, as it was Isaiah Boyd who picks up his uh, his win in his debut fight. Congratulations to him! And uh, let's see here, I've got my my thing right here to see exactly how it went down. It was uh, hmm, sorry, bear with me. Anybody know? Just right off. I think it was a TKO. <laughs> Um, I, I, I was thinking maybe it was TKO as well. Looks like it was um, Isaiah Boyd by a first round rear naked choke. Actually, oh. two minutes and forty nine seconds. So we almost got into this into the second round. But Isaiah Boyd gets his uh, win. Donnie Tillman got a little bit of potential there. I think he's going to need to be fighting at a lesser weight class than one sixty five, just given his height discrepancies. But uh, Isaiah Boyd gets the ball rolling for the Boyd brothers. Greg. All right. Yeah. I'm trying to find my actual lineup right here because, uh, anyways, yeah, Isaiah Boyd, one of the first, first and five that night, he was one of the, one of the ones that won that night. Like, and yeah, I think he was the only one. He, he won by, did he win by submission or was it? Yeah, was yeah it was a rear naked choke, rear naked choke in the first round. Well, good job to him. I keep seeing him. I mean, I just, there were so many fives that night and I'm trying to find all of them right now. <laughs> I swear to God. And uh, he was one of five. I can't remember all five of them. 
Well, he's the one that won. So he he, he kind of got the momentum going for him anyway. Uh, let's see. Moving on uh, after that fight, it was uh, it was a flyweight bout uh, as Nick Ferguson, 0-2 out of Oak Ridge, looked to get his first win against the 2-0 Kyle Lindner. All the way down here from uh, New Milford, Connecticut is Kyle Lindner. And he, he was at Shield Systems for about a week before. They helped him and cornered him in this fight. And um, he ends up going out there and getting an extremely dominant win. 19 seconds it took him to get the rear naked choke on Nick Ferguson. Moves to 3-0. Decides to stay in town for another month and will uh, now be challenging. Uh, we will be fighting Ray Hewitt, Rocket Ray Hewitt, November the 5th for or November the 6th. I'm sorry for that vacant Valor flyweight title. Uh, that's going to be a good one. Uh, Lindner versus uh, Ray Hewitt, I believe. Uh, your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, it's 19 seconds. So, you know, not like, <clears throat> excuse me, not a lot I can say about the fight, but it's pretty much in the uh, picks uh, show what we had you know, pretty much thought was anybody that was, you know, that dedicated to come down here early, spend the week training prior to the fight, not just drive down for the way in. Um, you know, we, we had an idea that this was a guy that took his, uh, took his fight and his training pretty seriously. So, uh, it showed. Yeah, absolutely. And again, he's staying here for through the month of October to prepare with shield systems for that Ray Hewlett fight, which should be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's see. Uh, the The next preliminary bout card that we had uh, was uh, back to the tie fight action. It was 140 pounds, and this was a pretty fun one. Charlie Miller out of Spartan Academy. Uh, he uh, got gets a unanimous decision win over Paul Schneider uh, from Triple Crown in uh, Kentucky. Good fight. Miller just very, uh, very long, very, uh, very technical, very accurate, and uh, really just kind of uh, kind of picked Paul Schneider apart. I will say that Paul Schneider. Landed a big overhand right. Uh, he started really landing that big overhand right late, and uh, and he and he dropped Charlie Miller, which um, the referee did not call that um, a knockdown, which would have probably uh, salvaged a draw potentially for Schneider. But unfortunately, uh, it, he did not call that a knockdown, and it ended up being uh, a unanimous decision win. Still well deserved. I thought Charlie Miller looked great. Uh, Greg. So. Charlie Miller is the one that didn't get the knockdown in the third round. No, Charlie Miller is the one that got knocked. He got knocked down, and, but they but they didn't call it, and so it, they he didn't uh, that didn't end up giving the extra point for the round to Schneider, and he uh, instead of a 10 eight, nine. So Schneider, because I took I think I took Schneider on the on the podcast last week. So uh, yeah, I was kind of upset about that because I thought that was clearly a knockdown. I don't think that was yeah. a flip. Yeah, I think it was a knockdown but, uh, too. And had they called it that, then that would have ended up making it a draw, I believe, on the scorecards. But that said, uh, you know, I thought Miller controlled the the bulk of the fight. Schneider still came in there with good did. power, uh, and he was tough. He was just giving up a lot of range. Uh, up next, it was the Boyd brother number two, Elka Hyam Boyd, uh, debuting for the Boyd brothers against another debut, Brad Williams out of Vertical MMA in Watertown, Tennessee, brought to us by Charlie Alexander, who was there in his corner as well. Man, Williams looked really good. Uh, he really just kind of ran through it, to tell you the truth. It was uh, he got the takedown and puts him down with strikes about a minute and a half into the round. Uh, Boyd's corner was uh, a little angry about the stoppage, but with debuts, you always want to err on the side of caution. Williams looks like one to watch. Watch, uh, Jeff. Yeah, was this uh, this was the Boyd brother that uh, just came right yeah. and took it? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that was the guy. That's a that's the guy that the one that took it the day before is the one that fought Bronson Bazorgi a little bit later. But this guy okay. flew in. The rest of them drove up from Atlanta, and this guy flew in from somewhere the day before, and they went and picked him up. So uh, it's a rough flight into uh, to only get a minute and a half cage time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, okay. So I had it the wrong boy, brother. But uh, nonetheless, like you said, Brad Williams looked uh, superb in this uh, fight. Um, I did not look like your typical debut guy. He was, you know, just really patient, didn't rush anything, uh, waited for a position before he really, uh, you know, made sure he had a solid position before he went for anything crazy. Or um, So, uh, you know, that, that was what impressed me the most was just his composure and his, uh, and his patience. Uh, be interested to uh, – he, he looked just like Dan Bailey to me. Uh, yeah, he kind of did. Visually, they looked just alike. Uh, like a clean shaven version. Yeah, so every time I saw him, I, I almost referred to him as Dan. So uh, I'd be interested, though, uh, at 170. There's some there's some good fights out there for Brad Williams if he wants to come back. Oh, yeah, I'd love to have him back. He was great to work with. Uh, the final preliminary card, we had lightweight Val Holden Bedwell making his debut for Boris BJJ out in Lexington uh, versus Trip Hallman, who was 0-1 with that one being a loss to, to referee Chris Bond. Uh, he came in here training with the independent group of Donnie Tillman and Caleb Holt and got a win for him. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it was uh, Trip Hallman getting a submission by Guillotine about a minute 23 into the first round, a little bit of an upset maybe, but but, uh, it was one of those things where you know Bedwell took him down, and and uh, Hallman kind of latched onto one of those one of those independent guillotines, you know, and and you and it kind of looked like Bedwell was going to be okay, and then he started tapping, and it was just over. So nice win for Trip Hallman, upsets the apple cart a little bit for uh, for Boris BJJ's first fighter of the evening. They'll rectify the situation a little bit later, but uh, your thoughts on this one, Greg? Greg, you there? Sorry, y'all muted me again. Oh. Did, did this start out as a? Did this start out as a standing guillotine? Is that what it started out as? Yes, yes. He had him in the standing guillotine, and then the guy took him down, and he just kind of hung on to it. And it seemed like he was just going to kind of yeah, wait it out. out. Yeah, just kind of wait it out and wait, let him gas his arms. And yeah, he was right in his corner, <laughs> right in front of us. I know. I remember during commentary sitting there watching it. He had the blue glove. I started. I was like, "Wow!" He, I didn't think he was going to tap on that. I, he was. He was there for a while, and I thought he. I thought he had that one whooped, and then, uh, yeah. That I, who did I pick? Oh man, I wish I knew I picked on that one. I really don't remember. I probably. I probably. I'm guessing that. everybody. I'd say everybody did. Yeah, probably so. All right. Okay, on to the main card we go. And uh, we started off the main card uh, with our pros, actually. And uh, actually, we'll come back and we're going to do the pros last. But uh, we'll move on to the next amateur fight. It was uh, it was debuts here. Michael Sullivan, who wasn't really a debut. They, they claimed six or seven fights up in the old uh, rough and rowdy and uh, ruckus in the cage, which are uh you know kind of the the things of legend up there there's there's no real recorded results up in virginia for those shows but uh you know a, a bit of a background if you will but technically his sanctioned debut he takes on the ex former uh ex college football player colin robinson all the way down here from wooster mass with team link and uh this one was pretty one-sided as well man colin robinson gets the tko to strikes a minute 21 into the first round this kid's really put together he can talk he's got some charisma he's the guy that i'd really like to see back down here challenging some of the uh, the better middleweights. Uh, Jeff. Jeff, you there? Did I mute him? Did I mute him? 
Yeah, this was a uh, this was a really impressive debut. Like you said, the guy has everything that you're looking for uh, as far as wanting to market and push a fighter for your promotion. He's got the look. He was well spoken on the mic, and he backed it up in the cage. Um, you know, sometimes when football players come out. Uh, it's just kind of a pure strength and aggression type thing that they overwhelm, uh, you know, their opponents with. But I mean, he looked crisp. Um, I, I can't wait to see this guy get back here. And I mean, and I guess according to you, Tim, uh, sold a lot of pay per views. Uh, yeah, a lot of people want to Massachusetts. Absolutely. So, uh, um, a very rare situation where an out of town fighter actually, you know, as a uh, amateur fighter from out of town, you usually don't get much um, back from them as far mm-hmm. as the promote, promotion is concerned. Uh, it's it's usually all outgoing with travel and such. But uh, in this case, you know, came that far and pulled his weight with his fans at home. Up next, it was uh, another catch weight, 190 pounds, as Chris Kinnett comes down from the mountain, Mountain City, uh, with that stamp of approval from Billy Combs. And it looked like it was good enough as he gets a first round TKO win over Caleb Holt. Uh, Caleb Holt. Uh, drops to zero and two. He, he kind of we kind of had a little replay of, of Caleb Holt's first fight. Uh, does pretty well standing. Locks up a standing guillotine. Uh, just absolutely uh, commits to it for way too long. Eventually ends up on the ground and getting pounded out. Uh, you know, I'd like to see Caleb get with a with a legit gym. See if he can turn things around because he's definitely a tough guy. But nice, uh, nice win for Chris Kinnett, who uh, who moves to one and zero after his debut. I'm sure he's a guy that can uh, slide in there with several uh, middleweight. And, and whatnot and give a good, exciting fight. Uh, Greg? Um, another one, Caleb Holt. I'd probably pick Caleb Holt in this spot and probably got up, upset again. Here. Hey, Caleb Holt and Chip Hallman had the CBD sponsor going on. Oh, that's right. They had the Who sweet... Did? Caleb Holt and Trip Hallman both had that, that Sweet Leaf uh, CBD uh, sponsors going on. Oh yeah, yeah. Hallman won his though, and because we were talking about, because they had that little, it was like that little, uh, yeah, dude, man. Okay, yeah, I remember that coming out. That was pretty funny. Uh, those were those were pretty cool shorts. I actually want a pair of those shorts now. I want some to train in. Uh, but uh, yeah, we thought he was gonna go. We were gonna go two for two that night, but they went one for two right there with uh with Kinnett coming out there. He, yeah, he, he did commit to that guillotine way too long and just kind of brought his hips in and got taken down and then ended up you know getting finished. Up next, lightweights in back to Muay Thai action is it was KJ Franklin, 0 1 from that Spartan Academy, same team as Charlie Miller earlier. He gets a uh, an injury stoppage uh, win over Daniel Kilburn from Triple Crown in Kentucky. It was a good first round. I think Franklin got the first round. Kilburn comes out and like they didn't even begin to engage in the second round until uh, Kilburn's knee gave out on him. So that was unfortunate. Kilburn put on a real good show last uh, show on short notice against Joshua Fisher. So hate to see that happen to him. Hope he heals up soon. KJ Franklin looking really good out there though, from what we saw in the first round, Uh, very much like his teammate, Charlie Miller, just very crisp, great technique. And I can tell you that both of those guys have signed up for that 145 eight man tournament in December. So uh, that's going to be a a loaded, loaded uh, night of fights on uh, in December the 4th. We've got two eight man 
tie tournaments to crown a couple champions. And I'm uh, already starting to see some of these brackets take shape. And they are nasty. Uh, whoever whoever wins this is going to have to win three very tough fights in one night. I'm excited for that. Uh, Jeff, uh, we didn't get to see a whole lot of this one. But from what we saw, KJ looked really good. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's unfortunate. Do we know if Kilburn's OK? Or I mean, uh, he said that he uh, he posted yesterday that he <clears throat> Had uh, an MRI or something done, but it was too swollen still. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean it's unfortunate. You never want to see a fight in like that, uh, especially as an amateur. Well, hell, anybody you don't expect. But with these guys, there's no, there's not even any show money. Uh, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the one that um, I can't remember if it was this one or the next tough fight? Because I was really confused. Was this the one that had the the knockdown that later on, or was that the next one? That is was well. There's only no. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't think we got a knockdown on this one, did we? I think. I think that, that no, was, this one was only like nineteen. How long was this one? Well, they went to the second round, but but I and KJ had won the first round, but then Kilburn came out in the second round. I'm pretty positive, and he and he and this one, his knee gave out just like immediately. Just when, like, uh, <clears throat> I know you remember it, where it was the push kick knockdown, and when we got the judges' scorecards in between oh, yeah. the rounds, yes, there there was no 10-8 rounds. That might have been this very fight then, and it, and it happened, I think, in that first round. Right. I'm yeah. still so confused. And I'm not saying somebody's wrong, but I've somebody's got to explain to me and make me understand how so, how the ref or the judges or the sanctioning body can declare that it's not a knockdown if the referee has stopped the bout and counted to eight in the air right. for all the judges to see. Right. If the referee is declaring it a knockdown, then you have to defer to his decision whether you like it or not. Yeah, I, right. that that one still blows my mind, and I, you know, I, I didn't understand it. They tried to explain, and they all they said was because it was a push kick that it's not a knockdown. And explain like, okay, yourself, Justin. I, okay, you know, so a teep's not a knockdown, but because the referee called it, it, I agree with you guys. It should normally that's how it should be, but it's not the correct call. So I mean, I don't know. I think that you know there are mistakes made by referees, and I think it is it is. Um, it would be better for us not to have to stick to what they say if they make a mistake. He made a mistake in that situation. And so one of the state guys said, or one of the commissioner guys said, don't count that point and came around to all the judges and said, don't count that point. Okay. Which I think is good. I think, I think that's how it should be, but the referee did make the, that call. But I mean, you know, he, right. But could you, could you, could you understand though, if that was the precedent that we set? So say like the past couple of main events that we've had, when there's been the discrepancy between whether it should be intentional, unintentional, or, you know, what the call, you know, we, if we can, if we're going to go back and outside of the cage, change what the referee called or didn't call, even if say it's a nut shot. Let's say the referee called it a nut shot. Well, can the commission or the or the representative just go, oh, no, it wasn't a nut shot. Even though you called a nut shot, it wasn't a nut shot. Uh, you know, I just I agree with you and I understand what you're saying, that it should not be a knockdown. But mm-hmm. don't you go with the mistake. We don't have instant replay. We don't have. I just think we're setting a bad precedent by changing a referee's bad call um, once he's called it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as a um, somebody that, you know, has been in there before, I, it would be nice for them to have some accountability. And if they make the wrong decision, it should be corrected if the if there's a chance to correct it. In that situation, there was a chance to correct it because 
it, it wasn't a fight ending sequence or anything like that in a situation with like the DQs that should be able to be changed too. I mean, a referee, like, right. you know, with, with Jason and, and Greg, the referee called a DQ, the call was incorrect. It should have been a no contest. Well, now it shouldn't be a problem to flip that to a no contest because the referee made a mistake. And we can all look at that and see that it was, that's not the correct call. We can look at other instances and, and see where the precedent is to make that call and he didn't have it. Um, and I think that they should be able to do that. But it, it's it's a fine line. I mean, you're I yeah, you I'm even thinking, your, your, your referees more accountable. I mean, if you make a few mistakes like that, OK, let's not call him out on it, but then cost a fighter a loss. You know, I mean, like for Greg in this situation, Greg's face. Let's loss not even use Greg. Let's use, well, I'm, uh, just saying, I'm just saying let's because, use later in the card, though, in this card, we had the instance where uh, I, I think we can all agree that referee Chris Bond stopped a fight probably a little too early and and gave off the indication that he probably wished he hadn't. You know, mm-hmm. what fight was that? So, you know, is that a situation where we, you know, they step in and go, you know, no referee. He was not out. You know, I, I wish I, we can't yet, but I wish that I wish that the sport would get to a place where they could, because you're you know you have a referee costing a guy. These are these are amateur fights. So I, I, it's not they're not that big of a deal. That's why I keep going back to Greg's fights because it has implications to it. Sure. But, you know, as a, for a pro fight, I think you should be able. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is in there refing and costing a guy a couple of years in his career potentially. Um, you know, as, as well as a lot of money. I think that. If they're, if you have the ability to fix the mistake, I think you should be able to do it. I think that through in time, it's still relatively new, but I think that we'll we'll figure out some ways to kind of do that. I mean, you know, I think that the replay thing should be utilized more and the action continue more often, um, or you know, or whatever. But um, I, I just know, didn't I like on this card that it's in, weird, in yeah. one card we did it on one fight, but not the other. So it's like, how do you pick and choose which ones you do that in? I mean, ultimately, what you said is correct. It's not a knockdown. Um, So it was the correct call. My only problem is, is like I said, picking and choosing which calls we change and which ones we or which ones we stand up for and change and which ones uh, we don't fight for and change. It can't go go the other way. You can't be like, uh, say, Chris were to have called. um, He did not call a knockdown. That obviously was a knockdown. Well, you can't make it 10-8 just because you you see you really think it wasn't. Well, I guess you could. Right. The earlier fight where we looked right. at the replay on that earlier fight right. where we thought he didn't get his knockdown. He didn't get his 10-8, which would have gotten that kid a draw instead of a loss. You know, could we have stepped in? Could the sanctioning body have stepped in and said, hey, you missed that. I just, you know, it was a knockdown. He, he hit him flush and, he not, and it knocked him down. Yeah, I personally think about this quite a bit. And. I don't understand why that can't like, it seems like a very simple thing to do. It would be very easy to go change it on the cards and, and, you know, tell you to go change it on tapology and all that stuff. Um, And, you know, I I think that, I think that's the right thing to do. I just don't think we've, you know, we're still ironing out um, a lot of the kinks in the process, I guess, um, as far as, you know, the rule set and everything. So, um, but it would be nice if we could get, uh, if, 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 if that could happen more often, um, but I wasn't mad at it necessarily. Um, I I knew that the referee made a bad call, and I was looking at my scorecard like, "Fuck, man, I got to take a point from this guy." And it's you know, so yeah. it's it's a hard thing to do, you know. Well, I do. Obviously, the injury was, you know, it was an unfortunate situation. But 
man, I can't even get it out without it sounding horrible to say at least it ended that way. So it didn't go to the judge's scorecards. Right, yeah. uh, so it kind of fixed itself, but you, yeah, that just kind of left me go. It definitely could have turned into a shit show. I mean, if like, you know, think about it. Those guys both had a ton of fans there and it came down to that one point and then he didn't get it, but he, they, all his fans saw him, you know, the referee take the point, but then on the judge's scorecards didn't reflect that. That could cause for a bunch of ruckus, you know, later on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was I, – I agree with you in, in what you're saying there too, though. Up next, it was lightweights. It was Spencer Brandon making his debut at Allegiant Jiu-Jitsu check mat in Nashville, Tennessee against uh, KMAA's Elliot Heck. And, man, these guys really went at it. They both uh, left it all in the cage. It was Spencer Brandon who, who to me, uh, reminded me of, uh, like, a Honey Badger Brandon McGee uh, style going on in there, just, you know, all out balls of the wall. And uh, he was over uh, able to overwhelm Elliot Heck with strikes uh, in the second round, about halfway through the second round. Heck never went down. Uh, he, this one got stopped standing, but he was starting to absorb quite a few strikes and wasn't really defending himself. But one of those rare standing TKOs, uh, Greg. This is the one that I was talking about uh, that ended in uh, 19 seconds, right? No, uh, halfway, through the second, uh, halfway through the second round. Close. What are you talking about? The tall, the tall, the tall lanky kid from KMAA and, and the guy from uh, Legion Jiu-Jitsu. What's their names? Huh? Elliot Heck and Spencer Brandon. Oh, heck, yeah. I, took, I think I took Heck on this one. And uh, Elliot Hicks, Spencer Brandon. See, I'm saying on typology, they're not the same order at all. No, they are on the. And I don't have, I don't have the original card either. I have it, so I'm sitting here. And you're, and you're, and you're, really, you're obviously not really listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I kind of y'all pissed me off. Y'all started talking about my spot, and I'm like, I hate my life. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm, I'm gonna fade off for a second and just start looking at the card, and I was, I was just, all right. So it's a heck. It was uh, Elliot Brandon. Spencer Brandon got a, a second round TKO win with Elliot Heck still standing. Just an accumulation of points. Uh, had Heck against the page, covered up, not really returning fire, and popped it uh, with I a TKO. That. That was scary. It was, yeah, yeah, he's a walking zombie. I seen it. <laughs> so it was yeah. crazy, but I, that was not on pathology, though. I think Jeff's failing us there. Jeff's no, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's just uh, it's just down there right below Jackson Todd. It's the second to last one. Oh, on right the here. Spencer Brandon and Spencer Brandon. Okay, in the second round. Greg, it's a school right. night, man. It's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good win for Spencer. I'm going to say good win for Spencer Brandon and a uh, nice fight for Elliot Heck. Yeah, you know, got in there and uh, kind of got into the fire in that in his first fight, lived to tell the tale. I'm sure we'll see both guys back. Uh, moving on to the next one. Now, this one was the one fight that I missed. I'd stepped aside to talk to somebody about something, but it was uh, Bradley Brakefield, three and four coming in uh, from Goon Squad in South Carolina, taking on Dustin Garrett from D.C. Combat, Murphy, North Carolina. And uh, it was uh, it was Dustin Garrett who gets his win above uh, to go above 500 now he's two and one and Dustin Garrett uh, gets Bradley Brakefield out of there uh, in the first round about a minute 41 seconds in TKO to strikes Brakefield was not happy afterward he said he got hit in the back of the head damn it and uh, and that he wants a rematch um, I didn't get to really uh, see much of this one so Jeff uh, what do you think is Brakefield do a rematch or was this pretty cut and dry I don't think so um <laughs> I mean, he may have taken some shots, but again, you you start playing the game, you know, the turning your head game, and uh, I I don't see that where one is warranted. Um, 
Is this another one of those berserker fights from Garrett where he's just balls to the wall? Yeah, he was. Well, I mean, once he got him in that position, uh, yeah, there's no need to see. Uh, there's no need to see. I, I don't. Well, I don't need to. I, I don't need to see it pretty much. I picked. I picked Dustin Garrett to win, but I think it was stopped early, to be honest. Because Bradley, we've seen him take a lot more damage right. and a lot more fights, and them not stop it, and him come back and win. And that's kind of what he does, and he really didn't get the chance here. And uh, he wasn't done. He came, he was up immediately. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'd like to see a rematch. I would. Uh, I would like to see it. We'll see what old Dustin Garrett thinks. I don't know. We'll see if the masses want it. I don't know if they will, man. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. I mean, I doubt it. Uh, up next, we've got uh, this was a fun one. It was uh, this is the one we were uh, speculating on earlier. Is welterweight bout yes. originally supposed to be Austin Nations uh, against Bronson Bazorgi, but it was Amios Boyd stepping in on uh, 24 hours notice there with his fellow Boyd brothers. And this is the elder Boyd. He's the he's like you know the the. The, the OG, yeah, the old OG man, and uh, he's something else, man. He's a character, and he's put together, dude, and uh, just uh, you know, real strong guy and jacked muscles, and uh, man, he ended up taking Bronson Bazorgi all the rounds. We ended up getting uh, um, a decision uh, win though for Bronson Bazorgi. He moves to three and zero, unanimous decision win. Uh, it was one to one going into that last round. I think Boyd got the first round, and that was uh, that was definitely one of those uh, you know. Uh, Fights where Bazorgi all of a sudden knew he had to he had to kind of buckle down. Uh, it didn't look like Bazorgi was ever really hurting in there. He was smiling, having a good time. But uh, you know, Boyd was uh, you know was all over him early, and then Bazorgi started to come on a little bit later. Um, so uh, Bazorgi moves to two and zero. We didn't get picks on that one because uh, unfortunately um, that was a late replacement fight. But uh, your thoughts on it? Uh, let's see. It's on. Uh, it's on Jeff. Um, yeah, the, just as we said, if Cromwell Stewart and the uh, main character from South Central somehow got to ba- uh, had a baby, um, it was Amio's Boyd, man. Um, but you're right. Uh, Boyd was strong first round, uh, took it on all three judges' scorecards, but uh, you immediately saw in that second round um, the, the mouth wide open, the breathing hard, and just, you know, the cardio wasn't there. You know, he didn't come into this weekend thinking he was going to fight. Um, and just the longer the fight went on, just that gap just, you know, got wider and wider. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of muscle, a lot, uh, a lot of oxygen it takes to, uh, uh, to keep it fed. So I think that was the difference in this fight, but I mean, the crowd was hype on this one. Bizarre oh, yeah. always brings a big live crowd. Uh, like you said, even in the first round when he's, you know, <clears throat> on bottom defending he's looking over at us you know through the yeah. cage and s- smiling and nodding and giving thumbs up but amios boy at one time was right in our corner and he was talking to tim during the, during the fight he's something else yeah. <laughs> now uh you know uh i, I gotta say uh, bronson bazorgi has quietly crept up to three and oh and uh you know i, I gotta say he's got he started earning some of these bigger fights i think we're gonna step him up here soon and uh he's he's shown uh you know he's a, he's a good action fighter brings a good crowd so I'd like to see that continue up next it was our final amateur tie bout another catch weight at 165 at justice bad news bumpus the final representative of triple crown boxing in falmouth kentucky goes out there 
there and just runs through the Amish assassin, Alan Miller. I didn't expect that. I expected a war. I expected three rounds of battle. But, man, he found the button early on uh, Miller, puts him down. Miller never quite got his uh, bearings back underneath him and puts him down two more times for that three three knockdown TKO in the first round for Bad News Bumpus, and he has already entered that 170 tournament in, uh, in uh, December. Uh, your thoughts on this? I, I got off track here. I'm going to get back on track and go to Jeff one more time. I'm sorry, but then I want to let, <laughs> let Greg talk about the next one because that was the guy uh, the guy he cornered. So uh, so I'll go to, I'll go to uh, Jeff one more time, and I'll give you a break. Yeah, the almost uh... – the Amish assassin, uh, you know, he looked good. Um, I mean, it was a good fight. It was a fun fight. Um, hell, I can't even remember who I picked in this one. Do you remember, Justin? Um, this one's the Finney and Holt fight. No, this is Miller, no, Miller and Bumpus. Miller and Bumpus. Oh, um, I think I picked Miller. My order's all out of order. You picked I think, uh, Miller. Right? Yeah, I picked Miller. I picked Miller. Um, yeah, like I said, it was entertaining, man. I like this fight. I, I like the Miller kid a lot, um, so I'm always going to be a fan of his. Um, I still think Bad News has got to drop the name, you know. Uh, <laughs> hey, Bumpus, man, he's a he's a wild man. He uh, he he comes in there yeah. to bang, and he's got he's got a rowdy a rowdy uh, crew with him, you know, with the yes, uh, Triple Crown uh, crew right there. Now, Alan Miller's getting ready to depart for Thailand, even off this loss. And, uh, you know, go over there and train for a couple months. And so I'm sure we'll see a whole new version of the Amish assassin here at the beginning of 2021. Uh, I hope it it does him good because, I mean, you can sell the You can see the frustration in his face. He knows he's got fans. He knows people are maybe put a lot of expectations on him just because of his look and his story. And they think, uh, you know, however it is they think. But uh, you can tell he's just disappointed right now in his you know last few performances. so I hope he goes over there and gets things, you know, worked out. We had a catch weight at 215 next between two debuts and two wrestlers. Antonio Holt, Boyd Brothers MMA, wrestler out of Georgia, taking on Torres Finney, trains with Greg Hopkins over there and the gang at Agogi Combatants in Chattanooga, wrestler himself. Uh, UTC plays football over there. Just, just, I mean, he is jacked. Uh, Finney, obviously just a beast, strong, and, uh, and great to work with. Just what a pleasant young man. But uh, Torres is uh, able to get – this was the fight that we had a little bit of controversy on the stoppage like we were just talking about where uh, the referee kind of kind of knew that he uh, that he stopped it a little bit early. And uh, it was uh, Torres Finney getting a TKO win, uh, ref stoppage to strikes um, over Antonio Hold at just 11 seconds. To win his debut, he's ready for a quick turnaround. Antonio is ready for a quick turnaround. They definitely didn't like that stoppage. Uh, and like I said, the referee was kind of, you know, uh, very visually frustrated with himself for stopping that one because Holt got right back up. That said, Finney dropped him with a big shot. And, uh, you know, right when he dropped him, you kind of see the referee's eyes line up. Like he was he was going to stop it like right then, I think, regardless. He probably saved Holt some damage on the ground because I'd say Finney was about to unload some more. So uh, I don't know. It was maybe a little early, but I don't hate it too bad. I think Torres thought it was maybe a little early, but he also said that, you know, he was about to just start unloading on him. Greg, you saw that one up close and personal in the corner. Well, yeah, I didn't have the best view because, like, I was kind of sitting behind the corner and and the, and the, the damn the – damn, the red corner little thing was in my way, but yeah, I saw him hit. He hit him with that overhand and we dropped, uh, the, you know, Chris Bond jumped in 
and uh, and kind of immediately you could tell he like felt like kind of a remorse feeling like oh, I jumped <laughs> he jumped the gun, but he also <clears throat> I'm I'm not trying to say that Chris is the best referee. I'm not saying he's the worst referee. You know, by no means he's still learning and he's he's, he's pretty good. I mean, I like I like I like uh, what he does. He stays in on the action the whole time and he's always there. And he makes sure nobody gets hurt. Sometimes he does stop them early. This one was early stoppage. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think everybody will agree with that. And himself, he knows it was an early stoppage. But you're right about that because he did save. Uh, you could tell that Finney was about to start firing some hammer fists as soon as he got, like, he was, you know, you could see it coming. And uh, he did save, you know, a possible injury right there. You know, not just somebody getting hurt, but a possible injury. That's That was a lot. Like you said, Finney is put together. And I would like to hear Jeff's take on this. I know he's got the last three, but uh, yeah. I would like to hear his take. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it, Jeff. To me, it's kind of like, you know. I, I mean, I really I, – what I take away from it is I was listening to uh, to Justin Brown talk to uh, referee um, Bond after, you know, after the bout. And he just told him, he said, what you got to kind of train yourself to do is not call the action, call the reaction. You know, so it was the don't let the action of the offense or the punch be what determines your call. Wait and see what the reaction is. Uh, you know, so wait to see if he pops right up, then make your call. If he doesn't pop right up, you know, so, uh, I, you know, I don't again, this is the one that we all say you just could kind of tell the look on uh, Chris's face. You know, if, if the look on his face could speak. At that point, you, he was saying, motherfuck, you know, right, like right. Um, uh, because he took a while to kind of talk to the fighter for a minute. And then you could tell it was just that shit. I've got to do something. I've got to I got to show these people I'm waving this off because I've I've let it go too far. And and you feel bad for the guy um, uh, just because it's got to be a shitty feeling. You know, I don't, I don't feel bad for him. Like Greg said, whether he did a good job, bad job, you just know. Fuck, I'm gonna. There's just gonna be some naysayers now, you know. I just, I'm gonna have to hear it. And, um, but I, I like Justin Brown's, uh, you know, uh, teaching moment at that time with, you know, don't get so necessarily caught up in the action. Wait and see what the reaction is before you make your call. I would love, I would love to be able to have a conversation about how we do fix some of this stuff. I don't see a problem with in that situation just calling timeout. If you, you know if the action stops for one minute, two minutes at tops, a lot less than a nut shot, but you save somebody taking a loss when they didn't necessarily deserve to. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like there is a conversation to be had to that would that would um, fix a lot of these problems pretty fairly easily, and I don't see a major problem uh, that, that would be posed by doing it. Uh, but I don't know, hopefully we'll get there. Recreate that moment though. Be like, all right, you, you lay back down on the ground. You get ready to drop some hammer fists. It, it is, but yeah, I mean, yeah. at, in that situation, yeah. why not just stand him back up? Otherwise, the the guy takes an L, and one guy takes a like. It doesn't feel good to win that way either. If you know that the fight didn't necessarily have to be stopped, I mean, you know, it would have been tough. Maybe maybe he stands back up and and gets knocked out because he you know he thought he would won the fight. Like maybe Finney gets knocked out once they stand back up. And, you know, I guess that's a, another conversation to have, but um, I don't know. I, I you think said timeout, Justin. Hey, you um, said timeout. You said, I mean, I, that was just a, that was just an example, but like, just use it like timeout. When could you use a timeout? Like during an eye poke or a nut shot or something? Like, I went like, 
I'm, I'm yeah. wondering because, like, if, if the if Chris, you know, I'm sorry, if the referee, period, whoever it is, has to jump in and they're doing it on their own recognizance to, to save another fighter, but the, and then they're talking about the reaction, right? From the from the from the opposed, not the offensive, you know, but the defensive fighter, and we're looking for the reaction. Like, I mean, I just you stop. This is action. one of the more this is one of the more sticky questions about stopping okay. a fight early. I mean, it's a little it's one of the, the tougher ones of how to fix, I think. Um, but I don't know. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I mean, what about when we look at the other? Uh, disciplines would standing eight counts work in MMA? I mean, you've allowed them to stand up and and you're giving them a moment, but you're also taking away from them. If you know, I, hey, I I let you I let you stand up, and I'm giving you a second to make sure you weren't knocked out. But there's a price to pay. You're down a point now. It's ten eight. You got to fight your ass off now. To you know, so I don't know. I'm not yeah, saying. I think that. there's just, a conversation to be had. I mean. You know, you get the right people together, you're going to find a solution for the problem. And I, I, but I think that there is a solution to, to most of these problems. And ultimately, you know, uh, you know, th- this referee is is definitely, uh, you know, learning on learning on the job. He's getting put out there a lot, a lot. And ultimately, you know, in the in the bigger fights, uh, in your pro title fights and whatnot, you're still going to see your your senior officials out there. But if you're going to if you're going to have these learning moments and these are the these are the fights to do them on. I, I hate to belittle the, the guys that have prepped for the fights, but at the same time, you know, they're amateur debuts. If we're going to err, we're gonna err on the side of caution, I suppose. You know, if anything, you're never going to see, it's very rare you're going to see it, uh, this ref let anyone get too much abuse in there as an amateur. Well, no, and the only reason why his name is brought up is because, I mean, statistically, he's refereeing the majority of Valor fights, so it's not that this is happening often it's just the simple fact that he referees a lot he referees a lot of fights so uh you know so one person could say you know this he's ah, you know this happens all the time with well because he's refereeing 15 to 20 fights every card so yeah where you where you where one person says and this has happened like three times well yeah three times out of fucking 45 fights you know so and it's a lot easier to to say Oh, you fucked up. Then it is to not fuck up in the moment. I mean, you know, like it's not. It's a hard job. There's a lot of times where he doesn't make mistakes. And, you know, look, he didn't make look, a mistake. You know, there's a reason. I mean, there is honestly just from somebody I don't fight. You know, a couple of you guys have, um, but you know, I, I've I've time kept for the biggest promotions in the sport. I I've um, you know I, I've uh, judged. Uh, for all of them, there's a reason why I've never wanted to become a referee because I know I'm going to fuck up. You know, it's it's not if I would, I know I would, and I've stayed completely away from it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> all right, moving on. It was Bantamweight. It was Zach Lozano, 0-2 out of Legion Jiu-Jitsu. Chet Matt in Nashville taking on the debuting Jackson Todd from KMAA. This is a fun fight right here is Jackson Todd gets a unanimous decision win. Both guys look good out there. Uh, Lozano is really put together. Those guys are a pleasure to work with. Had a real good showing. Jackson Todd making that debut and uh, making KMAA proud out there. The real nice performance. Very composed, I, I must say. Uh, looked like a vet out there for a debut. Uh, well, I'll stay with Greg here. Uh, this was actually one of the closer in age. We hadn't discussed 
most of these fights to now, they've been like a wide, wide range of years of variety, like 10 years of age between these fighters. These guys were only six years within age. And uh, that, if I'm not wrong, this fight went to decision, right? And yeah, they, they yeah. was like hugging at the end. They was all both happy, right? Because, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was They both look good. They both had performances. It looked more like a really – I mean, it was a fight, but it was a sparring match. Like, these guys just back and forth the whole time. I enjoyed it. It was a good match. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, Jackson Todd, shout out to him for that win. Actually, it's a, uh, it's a debut win right there. That's pretty cool. Up next, middleweights, 185 pounds. The debuting Austin Woods of Boris BJJ all the way out of Lexington tries to pick his teammate up, Holden Bedwell, and he does as he gets a unanimous decision win over Tommy the Whisperer Waller. Finally gets knocked off at 3-0. and Tommy now 3-1. and Just, uh, you know, uh, I will say that Woods fought a very smart fight. You know, he was able to get the fight to the ground every round, uh, going for submissions. Had a very, very deep arm bar on Tommy that, uh, that most people probably Probably would have and should have tapped out to, but Tommy gutted through. Like you could see the pain on his face <laughs> as he was grimacing, but he, he got out of it every time. Unfortunately, uh, you know when the rounds would start, Tommy wasn't able to uh, to get his hands going. He was uh, he was uh, he was notably nervous, and you could tell that uh, he was just really loading up and overcommitting on that one big shot to the point where he would miss and be spun around, or Woods could easily take it back and uh, and ride him down and and, uh, and grind out those rounds. So nice to be in for. Austin Woods learning experience with Tommy Waller as he takes a bit of a step up against a guy that was, you know, really actually training to fight him. Uh, hopefully this is a bit of an eye opener for Tommy to, to get around uh, some guys that can get him uh, to that next uh, that next level of uh, skill, you know, by, by giving him good, hard sparring rounds and things like that. That's something he needs. At only 19 years old, uh, his uh, attitude is good. I talked to him afterward and he, he's ready to get back in there. Uh, his arm is uh, pretty sore, though, uh, for sure. Uh, Jeff, yeah, I think it's a situation where uh, you know Tommy's had the benefit uh, his first three fights of also going up against other independents, uh, so you know somebody had to win those. Uh, but I think we just saw the gap close. Now he he got to see what happens when you uh, get in there with a guy who has made the commitment and dedication to a gym. Um, and like you said, you know, your training partner, you're as good as your training partners are. And um, I, I think that's where the difference was, uh, you know, that Tommy was able to see, uh, you know, that uh, that there's something to be said for going ahead and taking that step and finding you an established gym with trainers and training partners uh, if you want to continue on. Uh, at least he learned this lesson after three wins. Uh, so his record's still, you know, very much uh, an attractive record right now. And hopefully he heals up and, you know, he doesn't have to necessarily commit to the gym. But, you know, uh, we we see independents all the time that, you know, still claim independent. Maybe the gym isn't ready to let them, but they will let them come in and, mm-hmm. and use their facilities and, and you know, uh, train with their guys because it also helps their guys as well, too. So uh, maybe he baby steps it and. You know, I mean, he's in Knoxville, Tennessee. Come on. Uh, we all know there's a couple right off the top of your head uh, that uh, he could probably go visit and get some help with, uh, uh, you know, at least even some game planning. I don't know. Um, so, you know, I hope you see Tommy Waller back. Uh, I hope, like I said, you let, he learned this as a uh, or use this as a learning experience. And uh, congratulations, Dawson Woods. He looked good. And, you know, if anything, Tommy got nine very valuable minutes of cage time in there. You know, that he hadn't gone out of the first round before that. 
So that's uh, definitely something to be said. His cardio uh, lasted him, if anything. Uh, let's see. Let's move on to the final amateur fight. And then we got two pro fights. Shlomo Boyd is your new, uh, I'm sorry, not Shlomo, Samaj Portis. I'm sorry. Samaj Portis defeats Shlomo Boyd, both gentlemen 2-0. and Now uh, Samaj Portis 3-0, and and he is your new welterweight number one contender to Carter Beatman's uh, welterweight championship. We'll see that fight go down on this stacked January card coming up. But uh, Samaj Portis, man, uh, showed off that one uh, one hitter quitter knockout power his first time around against Julian Lopez. On this time around, he uh, shows off some stamina and gets a rear naked choke uh, uh, submission in the third round. Greg, your thoughts on this one and how you think this one will stack up with him and Carter Beatman? Uh, Samaj Portis beating Shlomo. Um, I took, I think I took Portis on this spot right here. Uh, it's a lot closer than I thought it would be. Literally, I didn't think these guys were going to be going uh, to the third round period. I thought one of them would finish it probably in the end of the first, really. But uh, they went after it. Samaj ended up taking his back and uh, and getting that. Well, with that being said, uh, him and Carter Beekman, do, do we even have that in mind and in plan when that's going to be? It's on the January card with you. Nice. All right, good. Well, I'll get to watch it then. All right. Uh, oh, man. Uh, we'll get to see Carter Beekman put the put them pounds back on. He's just going to be coming. Seeing him coming back up from 155, though, you know, we, I mean, he didn't, he didn't put on his best performance at 55. And, uh, and, uh, we, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, Samaj was pretty, pretty impressive there. I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to see, I'd have to see Carter, uh, come back and make them strides right there for that one because Portis is hungry. He's hungry and he's ready to eat right now. I want to see, I want to see Carter get back in. I want to see him hungry again, too. Yeah, I think that'll be a war for sure. Good test for both gentlemen. Two fights left. These are our two pro bouts. Uh, up first, it was uh, Frankie Jones from Virginia Beach taking on Chad the Freak Finnerty, who was making his pro debut representing the Wolves Den in Madisonville, Tennessee. This one was uh, over pretty quick. As uh, Well, first I'll say Frankie Jones missed weight by a grotesque amount. Uh, originally supposed to be a 185-pound fight. He came in at 215. So it ended up being a what we'll call a cruiserweight bout. But Chad Finnerty gets him out of there, quick uh, takedown, and then uh, lays down the ground and pound for a 52-second TKO to strikes. And now he's got his pro debut win. And uh, afterward, we uh, we had Lance Abbott come into the cage and call out Chad Finnerty. And then Chad Finnerty came in there, and he had some backup with Harrison Aiken. So we ended up getting a nice little uh, 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 showdown, if you will, between uh, Lance Abbott and Harrison Aiken. And I'm I'm in on that. I'm I'm down. I'm trying to make that fucking fight for January too. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. My head was spinning on that the soap opera there at the end, man. I don't know what the fuck was going. Harrison comes into it was, it was like I don't know some karate kid too shit. Defend the honor of Chad Finnerty. I don't. I don't know. Uh, fuck, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, I, I really, I don't know. I mean, I do, but I don't know. Greg, what do you think, man? What's your situation? Hey, me? Y'all asking yeah. me? I'm asking you, Greg. Uh, I don't know, man. I was, um, I didn't expect that either. He, uh, <laughs> he came out of nowhere. I knew Harrison was there. He'd already come over and meet us, greet us, said, hey, guys, you know, and then walked away. And he was so civil. And then all of a sudden, he's in the, he cave. Stepped in the ring. He's like, that's my brother. If you want to <laughs> have my brother, I'll shoot you. I was like, whoa. Okay, and then he came over there and let us know. I I enjoyed it. I don't care. It was fun. I, I loved it. 
And yeah, I'm down to see it too. I hope we can make that one happen. You're you're down for Lance Abbott, Harrison Aiken? I'm down for a, 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 a triple threat or a, a double yeah. threat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who wins that one? Yeah, Lance, Lance, Abbott, Lance Abbott and Frankie Jones tag team against Harrison Aiken and Chad Fair. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Referee with a special guest referee, uh, uh, unknown. Well, it, it, you don't find out till not. It'll be it'll be Greg Hopkins in a mask. Damn, that's damn. Okay, that yeah, that's, all, that's what I was gonna do. Uh, okay, let's move okay, on. Okay, but let's. I mean, as far as the fight's concerned, I mean, Chad did what he had to. You know what he was supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, this. Frankie. I, you know that whole debacle leading up to the fight. You know, it, it sounded like everything leading up to the twenty four hours before that. Uh, the weight request just kept getting higher and higher and higher. And even to the point of stepping on the scale and telling you this is what he's going to be, it was another three pounds heavier than that, heavier than that when he stepped on the scale. So, um, you know. be too well, nice, 215. Fuck it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm so sorry, Mr. Loy. I'm going to be 212, and then it's well, shit. You're not even 212. Uh, you know, in fairness, uh, he, he gave all his purse to Chad, and so like it's uh, it's like going to jail. You know, you you you've paid your you've paid your penance. <laughs> penance. That's right. He paid his restitution. He's he's clear now. He's clear. Um, back. But but uh, you know, and but what ended up happening was is exactly what we saw, and what Chad uh, I think was afraid of going into this or accepting this fight was as soon as everybody saw that he was fighting at heavyweight or anything above 205 then here comes the heavyweights uh calling them out and that's exactly what he wanted to avoid uh and, and that's it came to fruition that's what happened oh yeah absolutely man uh so final fight to recap it was a pro muay thai fight and it was our current lightweight champion in MMA, but, uh, you know, moonlighting in a tie fight here this evening. The, the Bosnian Barncat, Demir Fabagovic, took on Zach Fox, who's making his pro debut. We were really excited for this one. You know, Zach's a guy that had gone to Thailand, really uh, working on his craft, super excited with his pro debut. And, uh, man, I felt like it was good for what we got. You know, uh, we, we got uh, about two minutes, uh, two and a half minutes of some really nice, crisp technical action when they were in the middle uh when they were in open space zach fox kicks look really good punches look nice was doing well uh but uh, but demir is just like uh, so good at bullying him around was able to get him into the corners of the cage and uh, zach would stay too stationary uh, uh one time too many and finally takes a huge right down the middle we get that that uh funky uh one and a half second delayed fall uh zach unable to answer the count as much as he wanted to you could tell at about eight, he started. He tried to to make one last effort to like will himself up. Wasn't able to do it. And uh, the Bosnian Barncat claims another victim uh, and uh, actually moves to two and zero in pro tie. He's got a win over Nick Martino a couple of years back at a Coliseum show. But uh, now two and zero in Muay Thai, and I'm uh, ready to move back to the MMA side of things. Uh, Zach Fox, I know, will uh, turn it around. He's very eager to get back in there and get that taste out of his mouth. He took that one uh, pretty tough. I want to get both of your thoughts on it, but we will go to. Greg first. Yeah, it's just like whenever, uh, whenever they were out in open space, and there was, you know, there was space between them. You know, Zach could throw freely out. Now he wanted to, and and uh, and Demir was, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was moving, was moving real well too. But it was when Zach started to, you know, somewhat telegraph his kicks when his back was against the cage a lot. You know, when he couldn't, when he had the kick, 
you know, he was forced to kick. You know, he he was forced to throw something, but we knew a kick was coming. So Dahmer was trying to catch those and time them and catch them. And as soon as he was catching them, that's when he was firing, and that's what that's what ended up uh, uh, getting getting Fox down there in the end. So, but yeah, real impressive. And uh, uh, Dahmer's a uh, uh, that dude's on another level, man. He's uh, he really is head and shoulders above uh, a lot of competition around. Uh, I expect big things from that guy, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what we all expected. You know, it, take the decision out of it as far as the fight. It is what we expected. Uh, Zach trying to keep um, keep his distance, uh, use his long legs and his reach, uh, and and kind of you know point Dahmer and stay technical. And Dahmer trying to close the gap and use the big bombs and and his strength. Uh, but let's not act like that's all Dahmer's got. I mean, you can throw. You know, when we talk about people throwing bombs, they're usually haymakers. His bombs are are precise and they're calculated. Uh, you know, his combinations of you know straight rights and uppercuts. Um, you know, getting through the guard of Zach Fox. That's that's not just uh, uh, any kind of blitzkrieg or anything. I mean, that's he's doing that with precision and uh, you know, shit. He hits hard, man. And once one connected. That was the craziest uh, knockdown because, you know, the hit happened and then he st- and it was, like you said, maybe a one, one and a half second delay where uh, it's kind of, I don't know, reminded me of Rick Flair's move, you know, yeah. where, he, where he falls flat on the face and, uh, you know, walks around for a second and then falls down. Yeah. Uh, so, he lasted one and a half seconds more than I would have. Yes. Uh, but uh, that being said, it's also a scary moment, which you never like to see. And, right. Uh, you know, and on top of that, um, you know, at the end of the night when Zach Fox came to our table, uh, you know, before he left, uh, to see someone that distraught, um, because the thing is about Zach Fox that, you know, uh, only his close friends or people that are around him or, or that have watched him understand is um, he's not upset about the loss as much as he's upset about um his craft losing, if that makes sense. Right. He he loves his craft and the Muay Thai discipline so much. Uh, he feels like he let down Muay Thai more than he does anybody else. And I think that's where a lot of his uh, hurt and disappointment was, was he wanted to perform better for his uh, discipline. Sure. And, you know, it was tough to see him as upset as he was and disappointed in himself and, uh, so, I mean, I listened to you kind of talk to him a little bit and I try to do your best to keep his spirits up, but that's just something he's going to have to work through. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. And Hey, not, not too many people are signing up to fight the barn cat for their pro debut. So props to him no. for nutting up and doing that because, uh, I know, uh, I can count several people that wouldn't dare. Uh, uh so, uh, great fight for both guys. Good win for Demir. And that it was Valor, uh, 74 and, uh, it's a wrap. We're putting a bow on it and, uh, we're done. And that is going to do it for this episode as well, folks. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you uh, like and share the podcast. Give us, uh, a subscription if you would wherever you listen to your podcast spotify itunes google uh all those 
good places. Uh, thanks to my co-host Justin Watson, and thanks as well to Jeff Hobbs and Greg Hopkins for sitting in on our recap. We'll be back next week, and we'll check in with uh, we'll check we'll check in with uh, with Greg live on on the scene on location uh, at Bellator 249. As he'll be up there with Logan Neal uh, ahead of that fight, and uh, we'll we'll chat with him next week as well. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for the time. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Tim Loy signing out. Later. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.